sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, yeah. You slapped that thing on the ass. Is that what you just did there, Aaron? Was that what I just That's what I did. I usually add the baby cry, but you started talking. Okay. (laughs) Oh, well, hey, it's good to hear your voice. Good to see your face. Uh, Our listeners, of course, can't see your face. That's by design. Uh, (laughs) Or mine. That really is by design. What? So I'm excited about today because we have a guest that has not been on the show for years mm-hmm. and someone that we have cross-pollinated with in the past. Yeah. yeah and yeah. he is a fun guy to just chat with. But before we get to him, today mm-hmm. we have Library Corner with Nate Larkin, <laughs> where you are going to tell us about some of the books that you're enjoying reading. Well, I well, you know, Dobber's coming on, and he's going to talk about his new book, which he says he has sent me, and I have not found it. But, uh, but I have been reading, taking advantage of t- some time. Uh, great new book by Roy Ortland called "The Death of Porn." We're going to have Roy on the uh, uh, on the show, and if you, uh, I'm Roy Ray Ortland, good golly, the death of porn. Yeah, that is a, yeah. that is quite a title. Yeah, it really is. Uh, he's got a vision. Uh, it's a so Ray Ortland new book. We'll have him in a few weeks. Uh, a a thought provoking book for me. It's been around for a while, but I've never read it before. By Marilee Adams called "Change Your Questions, Change Your Life." That's in the self help uh, category. I love uh, that title. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Are you the same as me that when you're sitting down talking to a person? Mm-hmm. who maybe knows a lot and it's like, wow, yeah. this person's really smart. That's fine. But when you meet someone who asks really amazing questions, ask the right questions yeah. about anything, a topic yeah. relationally that all of a sudden there's something in your heart that says, now this person is yeah. brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what? She makes a great uh, case for uh, saying that the reason I picked up the book really was I have an interest in uh, coaching Silas's and becoming a better Silas myself. Uh, and I have really come to the conclusion that a great Silas is not really the guy who's giving answers as mm-hmm. the guy who's asking the right mm-hmm. questions. Yes. And, uh, but she also, she says, you know, that, that, that uh, transfers into the world of business, the best, Bosses, the best supervisors, the best team leaders are not answer people, but good question people. But then she drills down even deeper to say it really starts with the questions you are asking yourself. Yourself, yes. I was What's going on in self-talk? She goes so far as to kind of postulate that there's we kind of have these two internal personalities, the judger and the questioner. And the judger is, I mean, just always asking the wrong questions that are really accusations. Yes. Oh, accusations Uh posed as questions. Exactly. I I think that's amazingly transformative and something that's so, it's not easy, takes work, but it's so much easier than a lot of the other types of work that we try to do. Yeah. And I don't know, a number of years ago when I was thinking about hope, uh, and becoming a real advocate for hope. Yeah, yeah. It's like, so one of the most powerful things in the universe, but I realized that hope is the target at which we shoot our faith. Faith is never mm-hmm. directionless. It's mm-hmm, always mm-hmm. towards something. Well, what's it toward? Yeah. It's toward our hope. And I realized how I, and even people that I worked with, it was always trying to work on faith, need more faith, then I can do this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so often, I had put my hope target. I had put it. I didn't ask God, like, where do you want this hope target? I yeah, just yeah, kept yeah. shooting. I was missing it, you know, 100 yards short, 
And I never mm-hmm. considered maybe I needed to move the freaking hope target. Instead, I just kept getting bigger yeah. bows trying to pull yeah. back strings. Uh-huh, I couldn't. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I think this whole question thing is so key to that because I make so many assumptions that I need to get there, but I don't even realize I've answered questions that I haven't addressed in my heart or with God. And so my presuppositions are wrong. And then I get frustrated and discouraged. Then I wonder if God cares or even exists because these arrows don't go that far. And God just patiently says, you know, we could move it over here. You'll, you'll nail that sucker. And and, and then then we'll move it. But yeah, I'm just saying it's up to you, kid. I love you. You're doing great. You look good with that giant bow. Uh, I'd like you to hit the target. I think we'd both have more fun. Well, I'll tell you what, to to switch up the metaphor just a little bit, there is another uh, book that came my way just last week. One of the guys I uh, talk with, walk with on a weekly basis is, among other things, a certified tracker. He's a wildlife biologist and one of the few certified trackers uh, in the U.S. And he turned me on to a book that he had recently discovered called The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life by Boyd Varty, The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. So uh, it's a wonderful little book. I got the audio version, and it's only three hours long. Uh, and uh, it, it, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's a guy who grew up in South Africa on a game reserve, learning, being mentored by indigenous people in the art of tracking wildlife uh, as a guide to uh, tourists who come in on safari, finding the lion. Like, like we're talking like Zulu trackers. Yes, absolutely. Track. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's- uh, and such great uh, principles for recovery uh, in his whole tracking story. Uh, there was one that I particularly like. Uh, he says, it's all about, uh, well, here's here's a great phrase that resonates throughout the book. I don't know where I'm going, but I know exactly how to get there. So it's a focus on process. Okay. Well, obviously, okay. Tra- tracking must be a pretty intense process. I've never tracked anything, but right, right. And he says it's always from it's finding the first track, and then the next first track. And the next first track. And he said the, the, the mistake that, you know, people commonly make is they always want to go straight to the lion. And then he quotes Joseph Campbell, who says, if you have charted the course of your life, if you can see the course of your life. That's not your life. Mm. Yeah, baby. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and and so anyway. you're, you're, you're totally right that it's only changing the metaphor, because, again, it starts with the first question. What am I tracking? But if yeah. there are but if there are no tracks there for that, yeah. then you've already lost the whole game before you've started. What yeah. are the tracks? Yeah. My yeah. only fear is that because sometimes I don't track with books, but if I didn't track with the tracking book, I'd feel a lot of shame in the end that I, <laughs> I wasn't even able to track with that. <laughs> well, uh, hey, do you think you can track with uh, the Dabarino? Phew. Well, let's take a deep breath. Let's find out. I'm not sure I can track with the Dabarino and you. Uh, We'll see where in the world this conversation goes when we come back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. All right. Wow. Here it is. No one said this would ever happen again. (laughs) <laughs> the pirate monk wait, wait. didn't they say it shouldn't happen again or wouldn't yeah. happen again i, I think i think that. the injunction expired is it's, what happened it's the epic crossover podcast between the pirate monks and porn free radio uh yeah i aaron porter <laughs> nate larkin matt dop shoots together again by the power of zoom yeah, it's good to be back with El Dabarino, and please, everybody, restore him to his proper name. I, Aaron Porter, the only guy in the world who's ever called me Dabarino, and it's been <laughs> it's been three years since we talked, and I got to admit, last time I was feeling a little chafed in the inside. You know, uh, I was not liking it. 
Uh, but then my friends started, you know, showing up at the bar saying, hey, Dabarino, what's up? <laughs> so luckily it didn't stick. Uh, but yeah. uh, but uh, Aaron, of course, brings it back after three here's, years. Here's to another three years of Dabarino. <laughs> oh, man. So, okay, first things first. Nate Larkin left Tennessee and is in Cuba or where are you at now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost Cuba. Oh, almost Cuba. I'm in Florida. I'm in the great state of Florida temporarily. I'm in exile down here waiting for a house to be uh, built in Tennessee so that we can return uh, to the new Jerusalem up there. Yeah. No, Allie and I have been down here for three months. It's going to be a couple more before we can get home. And we can't see you on the camera. We're recording this on podcasting, obviously, but I was thinking you'd be beat red. Like, do you, do you suntan? I don't know. What does it, what does it look like for you when you've been in the sun for three, three months? Yeah. 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 Well, actually I develop, I develop a skin cancer on a fairly regular basis. So uh, yeah, I'm fair skinned and uh, yeah, I'm a little, little red right now down here. Uh, heading off tomorrow with the grandkids to Orlando go worship the rat i'll be out in the sun supposed to be 80 degrees and sunny for the week so i'll be beat red by by the end of the week i'm quite sure and aaron where are you at in the world southern california no i was actually looking at the date that we recorded or at least that was uploaded for the last time we talked episode 255 which was like a week before i came to nashville to be at the Samson retreat, bought a house a month later, moved to Tennessee. So the last time we talked was literally right. My last time of my uh, 40 years, 42 years in California. So I am now in Tennessee. So you were the guy who drove up all that Nashville real estate years ago <laughs> man that that was one of the reasons that we checked it out when we did because we saw the price is already going up and i'm so thankful we did and i gotta tell you matt you know uh, the californians are being blamed for you know mass immigration into nashville however uh there's a hell of a lot of people from chicago are moving down here so in fact i sold my house to a nice couple from chicago well, really? I, 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 I've thought about it. I, I would like to, uh, I wouldn't mind coming down by, by you guys. Of course, I, I don't know if you guys remember this from the last time I was on. I don't know if this came up. I started my life in Tennessee. I was born in Knoxville, which, oh, which really? most, people, most people associate me with Chicago because I've lived here over 30 years of my life. Uh, yeah. But uh but I but did. You were actually born on a mountaintop in Tennessee. That's right. The greenest right. state good, in the land of the free. Good old Rocky Top. Who to thunk? We were driving through the Smoky Mountains with my kids, and I made them listen to the Rocky Top song about seven times. And they're like, Dad, please stop playing that song. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah. I, so I, so I, I get down to Nashville every once in a while. My, my uh, cousin lives down in Nashville. So um, sometimes I come and visit her and uh, get down to Franklin. Uh, what's that? What's that place? The frothy monkey. You betcha. Yeah. I love that place. Uh, I love the, uh, the grocery store restaurant. Um, mm -hmm. What's what's Buckets. Pockets, Pockets, yes. Pockets, I love that. I love the, there was a, there's a, one of those, uh, uh, shoot. There's one of those um, uh, tap beer places where you can get all different types of beer. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of the name of that. Well, um, there's the Americana Tap House, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. So good stuff. Well, next time you're in town, you'll have to hit us up, play some pool at the Bunga Nut Pig. I love it. I love it. Well, and yeah, get up here sometime, guys. It's not that far. It's only nine hours. Yeah. Hey, you're talking to a Californian. We drive nine hours just to get out of the state. So that's that's fine. I'm in. We'll wait till summertime, man. Hey, so what's going on with uh what's going on with Samson? You guys having retreats? You guys doing stuff now? What's 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 new in your world? It's yeah, oh yeah, it's absolutely rocking and rolling. I think uh, a development since you and I talked, since the three of us talked last, 
I don't know that we had started online meetings the last time we spoke, Matt. We launched those a little bit before COVID hit, thank God, because so many of the face-to-face Samson meetings were suspended. But uh, we started them with a goal of having at least one meeting online every hour of every day. Uh, Still a good distance from that goal, but man, have we made progress. Multiple meetings every day, all of them hosted by volunteers. It's gone global on us. There are meetings right now in six languages already. And uh, within the last year, Samson and the Pirate Monks has been translated into Italian because Samson has really taken root, gotten some traction in Italy. In fact, our next international retreat will be in Italy, first weekend of October this year. I saw so that. What's going on? Yeah, I saw that yeah. on the website. And uh, wow, that's uh, Ciao Bella. I don't know. I, I don't know any other Italian. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, what's uh, what's masturbation in Italian, Nate? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't now, know. But it's now that your book's been translated, we'll have to ask them. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just know if you're in Rome, you do it in the masturbatorium. So that's all I know. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, so you've it, been hard at work, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've been uh, uh, not just podcasting, but you've been writing. What you got going? Well, I got really lucky like you guys. I mean, I, I think we did talk right right as some of the online meetings were coming on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I got really lucky right before COVID hit. Um, I built out an office in my one car garage. I have an old house in uh, in in the Chicago suburbs that has this little tiny garage that you could fit like a Fiat in. You couldn't fit like okay. a real you couldn't fit like right. a real car in, and uh, it's bricked in. And um, we put uh, you know some podcast equipment, a little studio type setup, uh, mm-hmm. video conferencing, and you know, stuff for me to do some coaching. And I got in here February 1st, 2020. And about five weeks later, my entire family is home for the next year. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. teenage sons, wow. my teenage sons are, uh, we're doing uh, remote learning. My wife was working from home and oh my gosh, it was a life lifesaver to get this office. And yeah. uh, so what I did is I basically hid out from my family in here for a year and uh, finished the book that I had been working on. Um, and uh, so I think partly the pandemic and just trying to escape my family made me write the, the end of this book, which was helpful. Um, so it's a lot like Paul, that had he not been in prison, might not have got to write all those epistles. Exactly. And I did, I did have this one thing. I had been working with a book coach and I hadn't talked to him for a year or two. And I reached out and I said, if not now, when, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, all yeah. right, yeah, he, yeah. he gave me yeah. one more chance. And then I uh, delivered a, a really, um, a really bad manuscript, but it was a completed manuscript. And then we started editing and, yeah. and, uh, and yeah. so then now we have porn free becoming the type of man who does not look at porn and, uh, it's out there and it's, it's, uh, it's finding traction and, and all the online booksellers and in audible and, uh, and, uh, so it's been really fun. I'm starting to hear from people. It came out in January of 2022. And now we're, we're recording this right at the beginning, almost by March, 2022. It's, it's starting. I'm starting to hear from people who've now read the book and are taking steps to either get in a group or starting to, take some new, you know, make some new choices and grow. So I'm starting to get, I'm hearing from readers now. So for for you, obviously you had read uh, other books that have been written and know people that are in that world. What was it that made you think, okay, here's a, here's a thing I want people to understand about porn and being free. Well, I, I love that question. Thanks so much. I, um, I wrote this book, with one thing in mind, um, you know, a lot of times they tell people, uh, you know, you can't read the label on the bottle from inside, you know, and, and that's kind of like the idea, like, well, you get really good perspective from people on the outside. 
Mm-hmm. And except when I looked at a lot of uh, books in our category, uh, you know, pornography and stuff, uh, not not including Nate Larkin's book, but when I saw some <laughs> of the other books out there, I didn't see a lot of people writing from inside the bottle, talking about yeah. what it was like in the inside. I saw yeah. a lot of experts and pastors and really smart people giving comments about what they thought was going on or what the patterns were or what the studies said. And, and I just didn't feel like that spoke to me, a lot of those books. And so I wanted to write a book from the inside out and kind of say, this is what, how I started. And this is what I learned along the way. And this is what helped me. And that, and that was kind of the idea. And so one of the big ideas in the book that I talk about a lot is this idea that porn is the solution for us not the problem. Yeah. And, the, right. and the idea was that when you're, when you're on the outside, a therapist or a, 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 a partner uh, or a pastor, porn's the problem, right? It's right. the evil thing that's pulling your husband away or the men in your church away from who they were called to be. But when you're on the inside of the bottle, there's yeah. a reason you're going to it. It's not because you want to be a horrible guy. It's not because you're just a piece of crap. And, you know, it's, it's, you're trying to solve a problem. You're trying to escape pain. You're trying to avoid things. You're trying to, uh, you know, you're trying to numb, hide, uh, you know, try to meet unmet needs. There's all sorts of things you're doing. You're using it as a solution. So that was kind of the, right. that's the big hook in the book. So oh, what, fantastic. I, I'm curious, writing from inside of the bottle, were you surprised at all at stuff that came up that you thought, oh, I already know this, so I'm just going to lay it out there. And then you started actually putting that down on the paper. What was that experience like? Well, I will say my wife read the book. Uh, one of the, She was like the fourth reader of the book. Mm-hmm. And there was one point where she got to something and she goes, uh, I didn't know this. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, was I too transparent? And uh, yeah, so we had a very awkward conversation. And I said, now you realize I did get in recovery in 2001. So this really is, I'm talking about something about 20 years ago. Um, and so yeah. she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but um, uh, and but- she said, you can sleep on the couch. It's 22 years old. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but uh, no, I, I, uh, Boy, I, I mean, there was some stuff that came out, um, uh, you know, that, that, that I always sort of knew. I mean, I, I've been doing this podcast since 2014, Porn Free Radio. So um, there was stuff in, that, uh, uh, in, in those episodes where I talked about, you know, my fear of being alone. And I talked about, mm-hmm. um, you know, some, I talked about some of the stories in the book, you know, in the podcast, feeling unlovable. Um, so some of it was, um, some of it was particularly things that I had covered and I wasn't surprised at, um, but I was, I, I did start to really enjoy the writing process. Um, I had to write one last chapter in April and, um, I went, I went to a B, uh, an Airbnb for the weekend and just hammered it out. And I was really happy with that chapter and that chapter came back with almost no edits. Like I, there everything, everything else I wrote looked, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> like a frog in a blender uh, when I got it back, <laughs> when I got it back. And, uh, uh, but, uh, but this, this chapter came back really clean and I thought, did I get it? And, and then the editor who read it was like, oh man, you nailed this chapter. So I, I was really happy with the evolution and process. So I think I learned a lot about myself actually being able to finish a book. Like, you know, I had a lot of mistaken beliefs about me not being disciplined or not being focused or not being able to finish big projects or things like that. And I I actually, that was a big learning thing for me. Nate, what was it like writing your book? Did you, do you have a, did you have a similar process or what? Yeah. You know, I was, I had writer's block trying to get the thing off the ground uh, I don't know whether I've ever told this story on the podcast, but I had promised Allie uh, when, when I when I wrote the proposal for the book, I said I was an addict, but I did not name my addiction. And that was because of something my wife had asked of me. 
she was still pretty terrified that if I said I was a sex addict or a porn addict, that uh, we, you know, people would instantly scatter. We'd lose all our friends. They'd pull their children away. Uh, you know, <laughs> we'd be left high and dry. That's all the stigma, you know, around the addiction. And I'd honored her request and actually had gotten a, a, a contract to write the book, even though I never named my addiction. Uh, so I was starting to write and just getting just getting nowhere. Meanwhile, Allie, this is a few years into my recovery, quite a few years in my recovery. Allie finally decided to go for some treatment of her own. And uh, so she was at uh, a treatment center for uh, for her own issues. And uh, she called me one day and said, how's the writing going? And I said, and I wrote all day and I wrote uh, one paragraph and it's crap. And what I didn't know was she had just sat through a day long workshop on shame. And she said, are you naming your addiction? And I said, no, I'm not. And she said, well, that's the problem. Go for it. And uh, I wrote I wrote chapter one of Samson and the Pirate Monks in a day, and I think it's the strongest chapter. It, uh, after that, I had to grind some things out, but I had that similar experience to you, Matt, where I just sat down and it was a story waiting to be told. It was a confession. Uh, you know, it felt so good to finally be able you know, I disclosed the nature of my addiction to an awful lot of guys, but always in private. I'd never made it public before. And it uh, was freeing to be able, for me to be able to do it. Wow. I love that story of her calling you from the, from, from, yeah. the, from the thing, you know, that's amazing. That what, yeah. what a gift that was. Cause yeah, that book would have sucked if you never said. What, oh, it would have been so vague and careful. Probably would have yeah. never got done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, e even when I read a book by someone that tells a little bit about their story, if I don't hear, if it doesn't sound real, like if it sounds like they're projecting something, but there's something else going on behind the surface, I really have yeah. trouble. I have trouble reading it. Um, yeah. You know, there's been some books that people sent me or that I you know, got off of Amazon thinking maybe I'll do a podcast interview with this person. And I get through chapter two or three and I go, who's writing this? I don't even know if yeah. I trust them or I don't even know if they understand what I went through. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I kind of was like, I don't know. So, and then if they don't follow up, I kind of don't have to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what gives you credibility as an author and it's, we'll keep people and it's what will keep people turning the pages. There's something very winsome, very attractive about transparency, about vulnerability. And, uh, you know, it's so good once you get free of shame and, uh, th th there's something magnetic about it, I think, to readers and listeners alike. Well, it's one of the reasons I put the picture of myself on the book. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the handsomest guy in the world. Uh, but I, I was like, I feel like I need a picture on this book. Because every mm -hmm. other every other book in our category, your 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 book is kind of uh, kind of got a cool cover, but a lot of the a lot of the books have really shameful covers. You know, people in darkness, people in chains, yeah, yeah. Uh, people. Um, uh, you know, there's a there's a a, a a book for partners where the, a woman's under a sad black umbrella, and it, yeah. it's just it just has this look of like this is just there's no hope and there's, and there's mm -hmm. just shame. That's all there is. So I, I created this book cover that was like the anti-shame book cover. <laughs> and yeah. no, I see that picture and I think I would buy a house from this realtor. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, it does have a little bit of look like that. Um, and, mm -hmm. uh, but, but, you know, it was like one of those things where it, you have to like, in some ways it's like the Dave Ramsey playbook, right? It's like, you know, Dave Ramsey writes all these books about debt, everyone's favorite subject, you know, and credit, <laughs> credit cards and financial ruin. 
but he's yeah. smiling on the cover and you're like, there's yeah. something to that. It's it, something it, helpful. No, to your, to your point, honestly, that the, the smile you've got on the cover with those words above it are just, it does speak to that. It speaks to it's, it's safe to open this book. I'm smiling. We're in this together. Let's go on a journey. So I think you nailed it. Can I share something that I haven't told anyone? A, Please. a complete true confession. Yeah. They had to fix my teeth in Photoshop. Okay. <laughs> and let, me, so, let me see that again. Hold, hold up the and cover. So again. here, okay, here it is. So they're, they're kind yeah. of fixed. They're a little crooked still, but we couldn't make them look too good. Uh-huh. Um, um but I actually felt like I wasn't a person of integrity. So I actually went and signed up to get braces. So I'm actually going to fix my teeth after 50 <laughs> and years. Did you, did you take it to the orthodontist and say, make it look like this? <laughs> I, I, it was one of the reasons I'm like, I, I don't want to have, if I have to take another picture for a book, I do not want to have to have my, my smile digitally corrected. <laughs> so I don't know if that's vanity that's, or integrity. I that is well, it's, it's some vintegrity perhaps, but I it's that's a fascinating story. Dabarino exclusive. <laughs> now let me, Dabarino exclusive. Let me ask you this: You got a great subtitle. Uh, the publisher who published my book uh, added the subtitle. They did a nice. I wasn't even thinking subtitle. Uh, is, are the, is that are those your words or did the publisher come up with that? How did? No, uh, it's a listener. A listener. Oh, really? A listener. Um, and and it's in chapter. Boy, it's like the last chapter. Um, yeah, this listener wrote me, and he had he had followed some of the tools on my podcast, and mm-hmm. um, had you know, been, I think had gotten to like, you know, maybe a year of being porn free. And, and, and he just talked about how he was shifting his focus and recovery from just stopping a behavior. Right. To inhabiting this man who does not look at porn and inhabiting this, this person. Mm -hmm. And, and he kind of talked about that. And that was the language he used. I'm becoming the type of man or I'm inhabiting the type of man who does not look at porn. That's what he said. And, um, and I made a podcast called that and I, um, and people just really responded to that, that phrase. Yeah. And people started saying that to me, that phrase back. And I thought, man, I need to make that the subtitle. And I, I'll be honest, Nate, uh, someone in the uh, publishing industry said, oh, this is a horrible subtitle. You know, you got really? yeah, you got to make it like get free from porn, reclaim your life, comma, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and get the you know, get, you know, make a million bucks. You know that kind of that kind of <laughs> blah, blah 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 blah. You know, word spam title, and yeah. and I and oh and and I also and got your best life now. And, and I also hit. got the feedback. Hey, can you do anything about this cover? Can you maybe just have a cool typeset <laughs> phrase? Uh, don't put your picture on it. I got that feedback. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and then the old, hey, um, porn free. Boy, that's sort of uncomfortable. Uh, can you make it, <laughs> you know, can you make it the man who, you know, the man who does not do something or, you know, like, like they were. They, they, the, man they, who, the man who resists the besetting sin. Yes, exactly. I mean, it was like, can you, and, um, and I, I got to be honest, I did have another title like the divided man or something, or I don't remember yeah. what it was. And I had a, a couple of people who, um, editors uh, who were working with me, uh, almost all my editors were women, which is interesting. Um, but one of the editors said, no, porn free. Just, just, just bite the bullet, porn free. Just keep it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yeah. you, you have a podcast called that. Just do it. Don't even think about that other title. And so that's kind of, so that, that helped me because I, I but, had that impulse, but yeah. I kind of was having to like defend some of the choices with people. And yeah, hey, I want to, I want to help you out real quick. Listeners, 
when you go to Google porn free to get your copy, make sure that the order of operation is correct. Because if you Google free porn, <laughs> that will lead you to a different place. And so porn, porn free, free is the necessary order of those words. Um, <laughs> I, I, I agree. So, so, um, I, I, I recommend going to your bookseller first, your online bookseller. Mm -hmm. And then if you're, if Clint, you're, you said online. Yeah. I thought that was a challenge to men. If you're really tough, <laughs> go straight into Barnes and Nobles and say, excuse me, do you have the book porn free here? It can be ordered uh, by Barnes and Noble, but um, yeah, you have to be pretty bold to do that. Um, but yeah, search my name, Matt Dobshutes, D-O-B-S-C-H-U-E-T-Z. That that will take you down the right path. Uh, porn free is okay. Just be careful. Just be careful. And definitely free porn. Stay away from that that combination. Altogether. Stay it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I am so... Uh, it, it bothers me a little bit, Matt. I hate it when I'm interviewed by somebody about my book and they haven't read the book. And here we are, we're having a conversation with you. I know my copy's on the way, but I haven't seen it. So I'm, I'm, I'm working at a handicap here. So I'm kind of listening with a forked ear, listening between the lines, trying to figure out, you know, what the meat of the book is. Uh, what I'm hearing is personal disclosure, that kind of thing. Is there also some spiritual formation or uh, what kind of inner work? And, and there's a saying in, in AA that, uh, recovery is an inside job. And uh, are you talking about uh, an inner journey? Can you unpack just a little bit for for us? Boy, um, well, first of all, I sent that book a couple weeks ago, so I'm kind of annoyed it's not down to you yet. Okay, uh, I might have even I might have even second day aired it, so uh, I'll have to find my receipt and figure out where it okay. was. Did I mean, you send it to my Florida address? I That's did. I, I you, right? did send it to the Florida address. So maybe I'll have to send you another one. Um, okay. But, um, um, well, a couple of things come to mind in this book. Uh, I was telling Aaron, you know, before we uh, got online here that um, one of the guys I, I quote a couple times is Henry Nowen. Yeah. And, um, you know, Henry Nowen was a Catholic priest and but you know if you read through the lines in some of his work, uh, there definitely was some struggle with with sexuality and and just struggle mm -hmm. with self rejection, and um and I just have seen in his work just uh, an empathy that I wanted to communicate on my podcast very early on for guys struggling, and he wrote a book called Life of the Beloved, where he tries to explain the love of God to someone who's secular, to someone who's uh, 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 essentially an atheist. And, mm -hmm. and, he, and the way that he tries to ent enter into this idea is that um, we have a core existence. All of us have this core existence that we uh, are beloved by God and, and that a lot of our challenges in life, a lot of our... Um, a, a lot of the blocks that we have to to walking in that truth and accepting that spiritual reality is self-rejection, is we get in the way and we somehow feel unlovable or not good enough, and that actually cuts off that spiritual connection to God's voice telling us that we're beloved. And when I started the podcast, that was one of the things I wanted to communicate. Um, as you know, Porn Free Radio is, you know, for... Uh, not just for Christian guys. It's for yeah, sure, yeah it's, yeah, it's for anyone who wants help letting go of porn, and um, uh, and but that spiritual component of recovery, I think, is so valuable though, because it's like, well, you know, why do you want to, to let go of porn? What what's been porn serving for you? Is there a place where where porn has been trying to serve legitimate needs that mm -hmm. that God intended for? Uh, him to meet or, or through your community and, and family, yeah. you know, those and are, were you wired to get certain needs met and you've been trying to get it from this, this false source. And what does it look like to come back to the core of your existence that you're beloved? And that was such a powerful thing for me in recovery that I learned. Um, one of the more powerful things that I learned was that I, I had this belief 
for years, even as a Christian, that I was unlovable. And that really fueled a lot of my porn use. And once I started, um, once I stopped agreeing with that lie, it actually made it easier to make the choices I needed to let go of, of the porn and porn behaviors. Wow. That is so key. Wow. Yeah. To follow that up, Nate, I'm still thinking about it. (laughs) Fill fill the dead air. Yeah, no, 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 no. So, but it's, it is, it's, it's so very much about self-concept. Time and time again, I'm reminded of uh, the impact that I would feel every week uh, in early recovery in the 12 step meeting that I attended when one guy in particular checked in because while the rest of us were checking in saying, I'm a sex addict, I'm a porn addict. This guy said, he would say his name and he would say, I'm a good and worthwhile person worthy of recovery and recovering today from my sex addiction. And that just felt so good. We've, we've talked about in the past, uh, the needs, um, intimacy needs, other things that porn or any other kind of false intimacy can f- fill or we try to fill it with. Also emotions like anger. I don't think we've ever talked about hope. And just as I was listening to you talk, Matt, I was just thinking back over just the last chunk of my life and how much my hope quotient was always in balance with whatever false intimacy I was pursuing and trying to fill that spot that if I could still have hope, not just in my circumstance or my spouse, but that God cared and was going to do something about it, then that meant the world to me as far as my behavior, but I can see every dip and valley in my life connected to hope deferred and then the emotion of anger that came with it which was always such a fueling emotion and then just a fuck it attitude that came when the hope had diminished and the anger had come i was curious to hear your guys thoughts on some hope issues Mm. well Every podcast, I say, take hope and take action. I think that hope is what comes first before we take any action. Yeah. Um, so, and and I um, remember in one of the recovery groups I ran, I was the leader, but I had this, this great small group leader. And um, we would do a course, right? So we would have a group of people, men and women, coming through recovery, over, I don't know, like a six month period. And so we'd be standing up in front of them the first night or second night. And, you know, there were a lot of people feeling shame. And, you know, I used to, used to talk the first couple of weeks and it was like, they looked like uh, patients in the dentist chair. They looked like they were in (laughs) physical pain, listening to my stories and stuff. But we had this one leader named John and he would go up and he said, Hey, I had such a transformation in my life in this area um i have so much hope for you and he goes and he goes you might not have hope for yourself right now but when you're at home and you're feeling discouraged i want you to remember that i have hope for you and 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 i really do Mm. and um i got a letter from a guy you know after he went through this program and I, I, I had asked some guys, I had asked some people what they got out of the group. And he said, you know, one thing I remember about that group is when John got up there and said he had hope for me, because I had zero hope. I had like no yeah. hope quotient at all. But there was this little thing that he told himself, well, I don't have any hope right now. I'm totally discouraged, but I trust John. Like yeah. He has hope for me, and I'm going to believe that. I'm going to choose to believe that. And that's where mm. hope started to trickle in for this guy. And uh, and so I remember that years later when I started doing the podcast, I go, you know what? As much as I can, I want to try to say I have hope for the people listening. You know, like, yeah. like I see you, I, I've, I've, I've transformed and you can too. Let's start with hope and then start to take the steps. Mm. Love it. Mm. 
Nate, hope thoughts? Well, you know, I do think that's probably the thing that I uh, give away the most. Most of my interactions with men these days are pretty brief because, you know, I do a lot of traveling. So I have short interactions with guys or uh, maybe I take them on their first walk and just, you know, introduce them to recovery. I love telling a guy who has just hit the wall and it feels like his world has absolutely ended uh, and it's just bleak and dark. Um, I love to tell a guy that what feels like the worst day in your life may very well one day you'll recognize as the best day of your life. Um, I love to tell guys my story and, uh, you know, if they can see their story in mine, then they can see where my story has gone, I think, in there. So I really do think I'm a hope dealer. That's mostly what I do. Give guys, uh, you know, that initial charge of hope and then send them in a direction toward recovery into healthy community, uh, you know, toward a good therapist, if that's appropriate at that point. But you're right, Matt, it's hope first. And I like that. that. That's a great phrase. Take hope and take action. That's awesome. Nice. Well, guys, I don't know how long you want to keep talking. We can keep talking all night. I mean, my kids don't have to eat. Screw them. <laughs> we ate already. I, I, I made sure we ate early. I was like, I got to be on with the pirate monks, guys. So let's get this. Uh, let's get this show on the on the on the road. Let's get this roast on the table. Well, well I guess I. I was thankful for Nate coming on late so we could talk 80 skate decks and, you know, have a good chat. Yeah. So Aaron, okay. I did have a question. So Aaron is sitting for you older listeners of Porn Free Radio. He's sitting with a bunch of classic uh, Powell Peralta decks uh, behind him, um, both little decks, little versions of the decks, and then some of the originals. What is your favorite skateboard deck, Aaron, of your little collection there? Uh, well, if I could actually still own the one I had, it would be Neil Blender's Coffee Time. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I owned it, and now they are, geez, find one on eBay. It's like $700. It's insane. But that was my favorite. I had a, a longboard, um, I think by a brand called Santa Monica Airlines. Yeah, SMA. A- SMA, and... Last during COVID, you know, I'm like on eBay goofing around and someone found a dead stock version of this board, like in some, some old skate shop and they posted it for 300 bucks. And I just, for whatever reason was like, "Eh, do I really need this? It's nostalgic. It's this, it's that. And I had it on my weight watch list for like a day or two. And then I logged in one day and it had sold. And I was yeah. like, 300 bucks? Really? That's what was holding me from my favorite skateboard? Well, if uh, your wife won't like this line of thought, I imagine. But to me, I don't collect art. If I could collect art, it would be like original letters from George Washington. But that's never going to happen. So the next thing for me is the, the skateboard art of my youth. When there were skulls and strange comic drawings on everything. And the beauty is, man, these things keep their value. So I could sell all of these for at least as much or more than I bought them for. So it is my, like once a year, I will go find one of those decks from my youth and get it and put it on my wall and delight in the beauty of the skeleton. You know, it's all very... It's all very God focused. There's skulls and dragons, all stuff God's into. Vision uh, Psycho Stick, remember that one? <laughs> I do. That was never one of my favorites, but yes, I mean uh, those 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 are all here. And in fact, there, there you got the Santa Monica right there. That's the Nottis board, which Santa Monica Airlines was started by the guy that started Dogtown. Yes, back in the seventies. So, and then there's the Neil Blender that I will never afford, mm. uh, but that I loved as a child. Nate, you have nothing to say about any of this. I, I have absolutely <laughs> nothing to say. About okay. I feel bad you're being left out, but it's a delightful conversation to me. Aaron. Okay. Quick question. So you're in Southern California, 
um, skate culture, but you're you're a Christian kid, so you're kind of having to like be on the sly with some of this stuff. Like, okay, so well, we call it Central California, even though it was still Southern between LA and San Francisco, and yeah, totally. Uh, most of these were boards were banned from the Christian school I was in. Um, the one I pointed at was the Nottis Coppice board, which his parents, were they Lithuanian something? And Nottis was the male name of Natasha, but spelled backwards, Nottis is Satan. So oh, all Nottis oh Coppice words were banned. All t-shirts were banned. Oh boy. But then again, we weren't allowed to moonwalk. If we got caught moonwalking, uh, that was also against the rules, all break dancing. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was weird. Um, were you, did you have any music that you snuck back then? Like, did you listen to any skate music? Yeah, man. Phil Collins, no jacket required. That was definitely, uh, wow. You were skating to that, huh? <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Suit, suit, studio. Uh, <laughs> that was on the album. Um, yeah, I, I mean, here's what's in funny. the air tonight. Uh, isn't that also on the album? Th that was not on that album. Oh, really? Um, wow. Wait, was it on that? I no, that was not. That was on the one before. Okay, sorry. This is so. This is so sad. This is this has <laughs> devolved into a very shameful conversation. But here's what's weird: our Christian school had a magazine drive every year, and my mom would let me get a magazine every year. So I had Boys Life forever, sure. and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, here's this this magazine Thrasher." which was Love completely it. inappropriate being sold at the Christian school that we couldn't even have a Nottis Coppice skate deck, mm -hmm. but I'm buying Thrasher through the school. And so, yeah, through that, there were a lot of punk bands that I would know about, you know, suicidal tendencies, kind of punk bands. All I wanted was a Pepsi and she wouldn't give it to me. <laughs> but we only had the radio. <laughs> so, you know, that wasn't on the radio. Phil Collins was on the radio, little Tiffany, maybe a little Debbie Gibson, but you know, suicidal tendencies and black flag was not. So yeah. It, TV it took, party it, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> We've got nothing I better think, to do. I think we can just karaoke this thing out. This is perfect. <laughs> no, I love it. I love music. I love talking music. So I think it's great. Yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you something it, funny, Aaron. It, I got a, I got a 16 year old and this is about a year or two ago during COVID he comes to me, he said, Dad, I need you to help me get this hoodie. I'm like, what's the hoodie? A Thrasher hoodie. Uh-huh. And I go, and because this all the kids wear Thrasher. Now, none of them know what Thrasher is. They just think right. it looks cool. <laughs> um, so we ordered them a Thrasher hoodie. I had to get it from a skate shop in Arizona. I, I always, I, I can't stand paying retail for anything. So I got like a deal on it. Um, mm -hmm. But and he wears Vans old school and mm -hmm. um, and I go, you know, those are skate shoes. And he just said to me, he said to me, literally, he just he just finished sophomore year of basketball. I don't think he's coming back for his junior year. He just said, you know what? Maybe I should learn to skateboard this summer. And I was like, really? I was all excited, you know. Yeah. I was like one of those dads <laughs> getting too into it. Like, let's do it. I'll I'll teach you right I'll now. Together, yeah. Right. <laughs> what board do you want? Yeah. Well, that that ended. I was a youth pastor in my early twenties. And so I was super stoked that skateboarding had come back. And the last time I skateboarded, I had taken the kids to a surf and skate camp in Ventura. And I promised my wife, I wouldn't skateboard, but they had a half pipe there. I'm like, I haven't had a half pipe in a long time. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't really skateboard. It was just a little, a little bit. But then the next day we go to this huge indoor skate park that was in Ventura called Skate Street. And then there was one kid that just wasn't skating because he wasn't that good and all that. So I actually called my wife and said from a payphone and said, hey, I'm not really going to skateboard, but there's a kid that I'm just going to cruise around with. And just want to let you know, because I told you I wouldn't skateboard. I got one of the, <laughs> the skate decks from there where the, the tail was chewed off. I put it on the edge of like a two inch curb, put my foot down, but it was half off the tail because the tail was gone. Mm. Spiral fracture up my ankle, only broken bone in my life. They carried me out in a stretcher and uh, I was kind of banned from doing anything but putting skateboards on my wall after that. 
I had a similar experience. I, I, when my kids were really little, I took them over. Actually, I had this. I still had the Santa Monica Airlines skateboard. I took them with that, and they had a skateboard, and one of the kids had one of those bikes without pedals, and we went over to the quarter pipe uh, in the park, and I just, I just thought, well, I'll just ride up the quarter pipe just and just, you know, fl- flip a, flip a whatever, you know, just <laughs> off the top, and and it'll be fine. So I skate right up to it. I get right up to the top, fine, just like old school, just like the whatever. Mm-hmm. I get to the top and do that little, you know, that little turn to go back down, and my body, I literally, the gravity just pulled me <laughs> off the board. I totally face planted. And I remember it was maybe my four-year-old son wheels up to me with his little balance bike. And he said, Daddy, are you okay? And then I realized, what if I really hurt myself? How would I get these kids home? Or who would take them home? And that's when I realized. Adulting is different. Well, at least quarter pipes are done. You know, no more. (laughs) (laughs) But that brings us right back around to your teeth. And so now you've got some orthodontist work that's finally happening after face planning from the quarter pipe. Exactly. Well, and and now I'll really have to be careful because I don't want to, you know, these chompers are, you know, they're they're insured now. (laughs) It's an investment, you know, my, my Dave, Ram, uh, my Dave Ramsey smile that I have had to, had to pay for. Well, listeners and Dabarino's children, if you want to enjoy what we're talking about, but don't understand, just go ahead and go on YouTube. I believe you will find the greatest skateboard movie ever. The search for animal chin. Oh you will my gosh. Then completely enjoy everything we're talking about. Um, but Nate, for for your sake, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's also Nate, hey, there's up. a good Bones what, Brigade. What, 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 what? There's a good Bones Brigade documentary too that came out a couple yeah. years ago. So it's true, highly recommended. Yes. Yeah, see, Nate, there's a lot of work you need to put in on this. <laughs> well, uh, Nate yeah. was a big fan of uh, the Four Seasons, right? You know, Frankie Valli. <laughs> <laughs> Skateboarding when I was mamas and the papas, we nailed skate. We we nailed roller skates to the bottom of two by fours and went down the sidewalk. That's all we did. Uh, I don't know whether you know the kind of stuff you guys were riding had even been conceived of when I saw my first kind of homemade skateboard way, way, way back in the day. Polyurethane had not saved uh, faces and knees by that point. Well, this has been a, a fascinating conversation. Uh, I can't wait to uh, hear from listeners, uh, especially about the skating portion of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Tell us, uh, send in a message and tell us what your favorite deck was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I'm going to, uh, my, my next book's going to be called Novice. Is Satan spelled backwards? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. Well, I think. Crap. All right, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll cap it. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit stop on the record. And we are back on the Firebunk Podcast. Well, that was fun, as always. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys left me in the dust uh, on the whole skateboard thing. It's one of those those things that I felt bad because, A, we don't usually talk a whole lot about our passions on this show. We're talking to other people. Right, Um, right, right. But then he has to start bringing up things that are just too, too cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. I I love Matt Dobschutz. I love that his passion for... uh, you know, this subject has not diminished over the years. Uh, and, uh, you know, his enthusiasm, his openness, his willingness just to engage anybody in conversation has earned him uh, a, a wide audience. And uh, I think earned for him the right to write a book that should be read. Mm. Yep. I agree. And I will say that since we recorded that interview, I've seen the cover that I made a little bit of fun of with his picture. Uh-huh. And so yeah. it, it looked much better with good resolution and not just being held up in a small window on my laptop. Okay. So, okay. so I repent. I repent, Dabarino. 
<laughs> you don't just look like a real estate agent, but I'd still buy a house from you. Okay. Well, I think we can probably wrap this crossover section uh, uh, episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. It's been a great time, uh, and uh, there'll be more to come. I don't know when we'll do another crossover. We we'll probably ought to think about this, Aaron. Other guests uh, that uh, a crossover episode might be good with other podcasters. Yeah, I know, but I don't like podcasts. I don't listen to them, so. If I'm doing that, I might really come to dislike us hanging out. All right. Well, that's a wrap for this week. Maybe we should edit that out. That doesn't seem very commercial friendly for anybody wanting to listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Are we done? We're done. We're done. We're over and out from the Pirate Monk Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com. <laughs>